All right, guys, you are locked on Falcons. I'm your host, Aaron Freeman, and today is my rapid reaction to the Eagles' thrilling win over the New England Patriots in Super Bowl 52. We're also going to talk about the Alex Smith trade and sort of how it impacts the potential offseason with the quarterback market. You are locked on Falcons, your daily podcast on the Atlanta Falcons, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, guys, you know me. I'm Aaron Friedman, founder of Falfans.com, one of the longest-running Falcon fan sites on the Internet, host of this Locked on Falcons show. Might as well call it Locked on Eagles because I'm celebrating this win. Uh, This game was very entertaining, excellent game. I think it was a very enjoyable evening for myself and probably most of you listening uh, to see the the Eagles triumph over the Patriots. I know some people were sort of hoping that both teams lose Lost, I'm sorry, I can't speak. Uh, still got a little bit of alcohol in my system. <laughs> processing that out as I'm recording this. Uh, I probably shouldn't have admitted that. Um, this was a, a, a really interesting game. A highly explosive game. Um, really caught me off guard. I think caught a lot of people off guard. I thought this was going to be more of a defensive struggle. You know, so much for my prediction in the Super Bowl preview we did on Friday. Saying that I, you know, I doubt the Eagles could score. More than 24 points against the Patriots. They scored 41. Um, and the idea that I thought the Eagles' defense was good enough to hold the Patriots to under 20. They gave up 33. So, um, you know, I was at the last minute going to put some money on this game. Used that my bookie. Uh, but I decided not to because I didn't. I knew I was going to record this podcast. And I knew if I lost money, it would make it very difficult for me to record this podcast. So that was a smart call on me because I would have lost money because I would have bet the under. I would have bet on the Patriots. I would have done all the things. I just would have been throwing away money. Um, so I, I guess I'm just going to have to use mybookie.ag to, to bet against the Hawks. And I'll probably make a, a, a bajillion dollars uh, the rest of this year betting against the Hawks. So uh, yay me, I guess. Um, let's get into the game. Let's talk about it. 74 combined points, as I mentioned earlier. That's one shy of the record in the Super Bowl in that blowout win that the 49ers had against the Chargers 23 years ago. Uh, back in the day, I was coming up watching football, and every Super Bowl was a blowout at that point in time, it seemed like, for many, many years. And to have this sort of nail-biter type of game, 1,151 combined total yards in this game. There was no defense in this game. Absolutely no defense. That's the most of any NFL game ever. Regular season, postseason, probably preseason as well. So it's one of those things where this was the most explosive game that we've ever seen. Now, uh, it was interesting because we talked about the Eagles pass rush making a difference in this game. They didn't really... From the, when you look at the stat sheet, they only sacked Tom Brady one time. That came with like two minutes left in the game. Uh, that was the only sack of the game. Brandon sack, Brandon Graham's sack strip of Brady was sort of the the game ceiling play. Um, and it was, it was fascinating to sort to see the game go as long without a sack. And they were like, okay, someone's going to have to sack somebody at some point. I think there was only one punt in this game, um, but someone's going to have to sack somebody at some point, and it's going to be the game. The game. The, defining play and and it was um but the eagles did hit tom brady nine times we talked about in the preview that like that number had to be in the double digits again something i got wrong so again fortunately i did not put any money on this game but uh you know what's interesting is five of those hits uh on brady came on his last nine dropbacks in those final two minutes of the game 
So while the Eagles pass rush was very quiet for the first 58 minutes of this game, they came in through the end, and that's why you want a pass rush, because when you have a lead, you can tell your boys to go out there and hunt for those final minutes of the game and and finish the game, and that's what the Eagles did. Um, Talked about the explosiveness. Looking at the 20-plus plays, there were eight for the Eagles, 11 for the Patriots. Um, You know, we talk about it constantly, and I, I said it. It's going to be a project of mine to to go deeper in the off season. But uh, you know, when you get explosive plays, you put points on the board. And we saw a game that was you know as explosive a game I've I've seen. I can't recall many instances where both teams almost combined for twenty explosive plays in a game. Again, you don't see very many seventy four point games in the NFL either. So. Uh, you know, I don't think, as I've said many times, I don't think those two things are coincidences. They are related to one another. You know, explosiveness equals points. You want to be a high-scoring offense? Falcons. You got to get explosive plays? Falcons. Um, obviously, my favorite play, I think, and everybody's favorite play was the, the Trey Burton pass to, to Nick Foles. That was basically the same play that the Patriots attempted earlier with Tom Brady, where, you know, it was a pitch and a, and a toss. On a reverse, in a, in a throw on a reverse, and you know Brady dropped his, Foles didn't, and uh, you know that's an amazing play call. That, that you gotta love that type of stuff. And you know the Eagles' offensive play calling uh, has been outstanding this entire uh, postseason. It's been outstanding for most of the season, um, but particularly this postseason playing with Foles and whatnot, and they showed it in this game. Um, you know, the Patriots, you know, they made their adjustments. The one particular one stood out was that they uh, were getting gashed by Alshon Jeffrey in the first quarter. Then they switched Stephon Gilmore to shadow him the rest of the game in the second quarter. And after that point, he only had two targets and zero catches for the rest of the game. So they made the adjustment to shut down Jeffrey, who was killing them. But then, of course, Aguilar and Ertz stepped up in his absence, and they combined for 10 catches for 105 yards in the second half. You know, again, there was really no defensive performance. We talked about sort of, oh, when you play this Eagles defense, you're going to have to throw it short, which the Patriots did, of course, a bunch of times because they threw the ball 48 times. But uh, they, looking at the, the official game stats and looking at the amount of deep passes and, again, the official game books that you, you can check out on NFL.com, uh, they count a deep pass as a 15-yard throw as opposed to a 20-plus-yard throw that uh, Pro Football Focus does, uh, which is probably a, a, the latter being a little bit more of an accurate indicator. But on the 15-plus-yard throws, Tom Brady attempted 13 in this game, completed eight of them for 228 yards. Um, that was, you know, almost half of his yardage total. And, you know, it's interesting because... Cooks got hurt early in this game. He got knocked out of the game. And as I mentioned on the preview, Cooks has been arguably, at least from the numbers, looking at those 20-plus yard throws that Pro Football Focus has, Cooks has been arguably the best deep threat in the league. Like the only other player that you could argue that's been better than him is Tyreek Hill. Um, You know, I said Cooks was number two in the amount of yards on deep passes generated this year, number two in the percentage of his targets being deep throws as well. Um, and so you do wonder if Cooks had been able to play in this game, given how how many opportunities the Patriots had to take shots down the field, um, could, could that have been the difference in this game? The Eagles 
were able to keep Gronk in check for the first half. He only had one catch on five targets in the first half, but then he came alive and dominated the second half with eight catches on 10 targets for 170 yards and two touchdowns. Um, you know, it's hard to keep Gronk it, it contained for four quarters. He, you know, he's going to go off on you. The Eagles did a, a brilliant job, but the Patriots, you know, they did their thing and, and the things that don't work for them in the first half tend to work for them in the second half and vice versa. Um, you know, I think overall, I don't have a whole lot else to say about this game. I think overall, it was a very enjoyable game, a very entertaining game. Certainly, if you guys want to check out more in-depth analysis, then by all means, go check out Locked on Patriots uh, with host Mark Schofield or Locked on Eagles with host uh, Michael Kist and Ben Solak for deeper insights. They will certainly be providing much more in-depth analysis of this game than I will. You know, this was overall a really entertaining game, an entertaining evening for me. You know, even the commercials weren't that bad as it seemed like in, in previous years. I don't recall too many awful commercials um, when uh, you you look at it and you're like, man, you guys spent, what, $5 million or whatever the price of a Super, Mil- Super Bowl com- commercial costs, $5 million on that? Like, it was... Not, not everything was a home run or anything like that, but I'm just saying, like, it wasn't like, oh, my God, why did you waste your money like that? Um, and, and so we'll wrap this up by saying, and, you know, me speaking personally, as a long-suffering Falcons fan, I will never begrudge another long-suffering franchise like the Eagles uh, from finally being able to get over that hump, get over that hurdle. Um, because, you know, I have this little thing called empathy. Uh, you know, I felt I'm, I'm pretty sure there were plenty of Eagles fans uh, rooting for the Falcons last year. So I certainly will, you know, return the favor and root for them this year. And, uh, I, you know, I got what I, I wanted. Um, I think it's an amazing run that they had. You got to think, um, you know, after Wentz went down, who probably would have won the MVP had he not gotten hurt. Um, everybody was ready to write them off, including myself. Like, you know, I figured that they could, with their defense and Foles being a veteran quarterback, they weren't completely done, but I certainly did not consider them to be the best team or the second best team, or maybe not even the third best team in the NFC race. I thought they, you know, they had a shot, but I would have probably put the Vikings, um, or the Falcons and the Saints, you know, at the start of the postseason as having better odds. Uh, of, of going to the Super Bowl than the Eagles. And they managed to pull through. You know, they, they pulled it together uh, with a backup quarterback, with Nick Foles. You know, they were the best team in the NFC from the beginning of the year. And, and until Wentz got hurt, you know, they were the best team up until that point. And then they played like the best team in the postseason. So they were well-deserved. You know, anybody that's out there being like, oh, the Falcons, you know, the Falcons had an opportunity to win that game against the Eagles a couple of weeks ago. But, I don't think anybody should be sitting here feeling like, you know, the Eagles weren't the most deserving team because they, they played their tails off. They coached their tails off. Um, and, you know, they rallied, they circled the wagons and and did something that very few teams have ever done. We've seen backup quarterbacks win Super Bowls, Doug Williams. We've seen uh, Jeff Hostetler as well sort of doing, getting start late in the season and leading his team. Um, but, uh you know that's something pretty rare to see what you what we just witnessed, um, and I you know I would say like if you can't appreciate that as a football fan, then I don't know what to tell you. So this is going to be one of those entertaining Super Bowls. I I definitely will try to check out the All Twenty Two at some point later in, in the next couple of weeks before we get to the combine, and, and maybe I'll, I'll I'll go into some uh, 
I'll, maybe I'll do a podcast about it. Maybe. I don't know if I have any particular keen insights. But again, you know, locked on Patriots, locked on Eagles. Probably will do much better justice to this game. And we'll talk about the um, Alex Smith trade in a moment. Uh, but I also want to let you guys know that uh, other podcasts on the Locked On uh, Podcast Network have talked about this, including Locked On Chiefs. Um, so that's something that you definitely want to check out to get some more in-depth analysis on who won this trade. We, the Super Bowl's done. 2017 is pretty much over. Uh, pretty much. It's definitely over at this point uh, as you're listening to this. And so let's move forward and talk about 2018. And, you know, the interesting thing is now that the Eagles are the champions, they'll open the season on Thursday night, and it's possible that they could do so against the Falcons. That's how we relate this thing to the Falcons somehow, unlocked on Falcons. But it's interesting because the Eagles have several notable non-divisional home games on their 2018 schedule, including the Falcons. They also have the Panthers, the Texans, Colts, and the Vikings. Um, I would guess, looking at that, the Falcons and Vikings would be the two most likely teams to open up that Thursday night game. Uh, Just because those were two teams that they went through on their path to the Super Bowl this past season. Um, I'd like to think the Falcons are a frontrunner, but I do think the Vikings could do some things this offseason, particularly at the quarterback position, uh, that could sort of push them into the, the front of that sort of race, that bid to be the team that faces the Eagles on uh, Thursday night, particularly if they go out there and get a veteran quarterback like a, shall we say, Kirk Cousins? I don't know. Um, you know, if it's if if that Thursday night game is potentially Cousins' first game as the new quote-unquote franchise quarterback for the Vikings and, it, you know, winds up being an NFC Championship rematch, I think that makes for a lot more compelling sort of narratives, at least as far as NBC and the, and the, and the media goes or, Will the Thursday night game be on NBC now that Fox has bought the... I don't know. I, I need to do some research. Um, I know Fox is doing the Thursday night game. That's in 2018, right? Not 2019. I don't know. Again, research. Uh, probably should do that before you go on these uh, and start recording podcasts, right? Um, but yeah, so I, I do think if Cousins winds up going to Minnesota, NFC, like that's just setting up for the opening Thursday night game when the Falcons will just have to play the Eagles on a Sunday night game or something or Monday night game later in the season or something like that. So we'll see how it goes. Again, the schedules doesn't come out till April. So we got to plenty of time to speculate and whatnot. And what happens this off season is going to determine it. But that leads us into what I want to talk about. The first big move of the off season is this trade of Alex Smith from Kansas city to Washington uh, the Redskins gave up, what, a third in Kendall Fuller to get Alex Smith. The Redskins went on top of that to already come to a terms with Alex Smith on a four-year, $94 million extension with $71 million guaranteed. Of course, none of these moves are official until the league year starts because you can't trade players until March 14th, but you can come to agreements with teams. We saw this many, many years ago involving the Redskins when they agreed with the trade-up with I think the Rams, right, with the RG3 trade, that was like late February, uh, like two or three weeks before uh, the trade deadline officially happened, if I'm not mistaken. Um, So, yeah, so, you know, it's very likely that this will go through. You know, there's always a slim chance that I guess something changes, but, you know, it's not likely. So, um, you know, this is the first big domino this offseason in an offseason that could be, 
full of many, many dominoes. Um, you know, I think the Redskins made the decision to let Kirk Cousins walk. It's interesting because two years ago you would have said, like, yeah, they should probably let Kirk Cousins walk. But I think Kirk Cousins' performance the last two years in particular, 2016 and 2017, has made sort of their decision not to pay him initially um, look like a pretty foolish decision, particularly when they probably three years ago when they first started to dance around this whole situation probably could have gotten him for 19 million a year and they just paid Alex Smith 23 and a half million a year so not necessarily the best strategy when you can when you have the the value of hindsight to look back um you know there's been recent rumors that oh the Redskins might not you know they might tag Cousins and then try to trade him like no they're not going to tag him that's a 34 million dollar tag you're not going to you know they're not going to let their cap strain on it. Cousins is going to hit free agency. You know, any rumors of that, it's just the Redskins, like, because they got killed for all the criticism they faced on this trade and this decision, um, they're just, like, trying to save face, in my opinion. So Cousins will hit the market, open market, come March 14th when when free agent signing officially starts. I think the, the tampering period starts on the 12th, if I'm not mistaken. But, uh, you know, so probably March 12th, March 13th, March 14th, we'll, we'll know where Kirk Cousins lands. But he'll be the most coveted uh, free agent quarterback probably since Peyton Manning. And prior to that, you know, who was, you know, did you have to go back to Breeze and Culpepper in 06 prior to that? Like, you know, it's rare to have, uh, uh, you know, a good quarterback. I won't say Cousins is a great quarterback, but he was a good quarterback, um, a quality starter. Uh, on the open market and free agency. It's very rare to have that. I expect the Broncos and Vikings certainly to be sort of at the front of the line to, to woo Cousins. I think the Browns, the Jets, the Jaguars will also be in the mix. I don't necessarily see those as places that Cousins will go. Um, I think, you know, you look at Elway's past success of wooing Manning the last time a big-time quarterback came on the market I think that's a feather in their hat. But I also think the Vikings, you know, as a team, I didn't really sort of initially consider them. I always sort of considered it as either the the Broncos as the front runner and, and maybe the Jets or Jaguars in second or third place. But now I, I probably firmly put the Vikings in second place. But I had already previously assumed, oh, they would just resign Keenum. But I guess with the way Keenum performed in an NFC Championship game, if they can sort of upgrade over Cousins, and they have a bunch of cats, I think they have like, I thought I saw somewhere where they have like 40 or 50 million in cap space. So they have a ridiculous amount of cap space. So if, if they, you know, I think they actually have like, I think the Broncos are sort of slated to have like 25, 28 million. And they're going to have to cut some guys. There's talk of them having to get rid of either Emmanuel Sanders or Demarius Thomas trading the key to leave. So the Broncos are going to be in this sort of loop where their supporting cast probably won't be as strong in March, as it is right now, as it appears right now in the Vikings, I don't think right now are really in a position to lose anybody major. I could be wrong about that. But, yeah, I think pretty much everybody is locked up on their team. I could be wrong about that, but we'll we'll see. Um, you know, so I, I do think the Vikings present a better front when you look at high-level defense, probably a better offensive line at this point. Uh, you got a healthier running game, and if the Broncos wind up cutting either 
one of their wide receivers, you got a better wide receiver core when you factor in the tight end as well. So the the Vikings check all the boxes in terms of um, the supporting cast and the, and the best situation for Cousins to go into, of course, because a team that was in the NFC Championship game. Um, so I, I do think they will be a, a strong lure for Cousins if they're willing to throw their hat in and, and throw in the money. I don't expect Cousins to really sort of break the bank like some people think. I don't think he'll sign the deal bigger than what Stafford did. I don't really think it's going to affect the Matt Ryan contract negotiation. I do think Ryan's contract is going to be built to make him a higher-paid quarterback than Stafford was, which you're talking about somewhere 28 to $30 million a year, somewhere between 95 and $100-plus million guaranteed. Uh, that won't be guaranteed at signing, but that'll be eventual guarantees that sort of kick in in year three and four and whatnot once you start factoring bonuses and, and base salaries. But it'll probably be like something like $75 million guaranteed at signing or something like that, $80 million guaranteed at signing. Um, I don't think Cousins is going to push that. He might, but again, because he's going to have several of these teams pushing for him, it might push up his price tag a little bit, but I think he's going to probably be somewhere around $25 million a year with like $75 million guaranteed. Um, I don't think he's going to get more than what Stafford got, but it's possible. Um, as for the Redskins getting Alex Smith, it's you know it's at best a lateral move if you, if you think Alex Smith particularly could be MVP version of Alex Smith, but the problem is you know that Alex Smith only existed for, what, six weeks at the beginning of this season? Um, and has never really existed prior to that. Alex Smith is certainly a serviceable starter, can be a competent starter, and certainly has made multiple teams competitive over the last six or seven years. But, um, you know, I don't think he's really at this point, I think he's a bridge quarterback. Even though his contract is, is supposed to lock him in for three or four years, I think honestly, probably unless Alex Smith can get this Redskins team to a winning record immediately, uh, they were seven and nine under Cousins, so they got to be like eight and eight or nine and seven this year. I think you're probably going to see the Redskins either in 2019 next year or 2020 looking to draft, you know, use a number one pick on a, on a quarterback, a la what the Chiefs did with Patrick Mahomes this past year to sort of be the heir apparent to Alex Smith. I think Alex Smith really at this point is probably at best a two year bridge, um, unless his play really blossoms under Jay Gruden. The Redskins have to rebuild their wide receiver core. Josh Dockson showed some things, but they, they need to get another wide receiver there. Jordan Reed can't stay healthy. They don't really have a running game at this point. That's going to be a high priority for them to sort of upgrade that spot because we know with Alex Smith, you got to be able to run the ball. He has not had success unless he's been able to run the ball, and th- that Redskins team is not at all prepared to run the football as much as they need to to make Alex Smith work. So um, that's the thing to monitor this offseason. We'll see if the Redskins are in the mix um, for a free agent quarterback or, I mean, a free agent running back or in a what is widely considered to be a deep running back draft class, um, will they go and, and dip into the market uh, this April and, and try to upgrade? That's probably the likelier scenario. Um, let's go back to Nick Foles because he's certainly going to be in the mix now. That he, you know, They're not going to keep him in Philadelphia now um, as a backup to Carson Wentz. I mean, you assume they. I mean, the Eagles could do it. They could. Obviously, he's he's right now, without a doubt, uh, the best backup quarterback in the league. So it pays to have that guy, especially when you have a guy like Wentz who plays 
a little bit with his hair on fire, and so he's probably potentially going to be more prone to injury just because of the, his style of play. But with the way Foles performed down this playoff stretch, you got to believe that someone's going to be able to willing to offer them, you know, a top fifty pick. And and certainly, I, I don't think it should be any debate. A top fifty pick is worth more than a backup quarterback. Because in an ideal world, a backup quarterback's not going to play, and a top fifty pick is a guy that ideally could be a you know a multi-time Pro Bowler. Um, you know, that's Keanu Neal, that's Deion Jones, and I think most people would be like, yeah, I would trade. You know, if I could get Deion Jones or Keanu Neal or insert Desmond Trufant or even Robert Alford, I would be willing to trade my backup quarterback for one of those guys. Um, so you know, it'll be interesting because I do think right now you after Cousins you would have to put Foles right up there with, you know, as the, the premier quarterback available on the market now. Um, you know, I wouldn't bet on a first-round pick being traded for him, but you never know. Uh, I think a second-round pick is probably more likely, uh, given that Alex Smith got a third-round pick and a, a promising, you know, starting-caliber cornerback. Um, I certainly think someone would be willing to trade a second round for Nick Foles, at this point, um, you know, I think if we're pacing bets, I would think, you know, between Minnesota and, and Denver, whichever team doesn't land Cousins probably would be the front runner to get Foles. Um, but again, Cleveland, the Jets, and Jacksonville probably also in that mix. You could even maybe throw Buffalo in that mix. Um, if we're going to play the game of uh, the Game of Thrones or, or whatever, the game of quarterback chairs, um, here's my, my guess. At this point, you know, in early February, uh, just based off of some of the things I've heard and, and just a general sort of sense, I am a, a prophet after all. So, you know, I, you know, these things, are, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm, I'm losing it at the end of the show. I'll just get to, <laughs> try to make bad jokes. Um, I would probably right now I'm going to put my money on, on the Broncos luring cousins. I think the Vikings would then be the front runner to get Foles. If they don't land Foles, then they probably just wind up keeping Keenum. Um, I think the the Jets are also probably the third team in the Foles mix. Um, if they don't land Foles, then they probably wind up keeping McCown. Um, I would guess that the Browns would probably get McCarron, uh, trading Cincinnati or signing him to an offer sheet as a restricted free agent, and then probably using their number one pick on uh, a quarterback. Um, I think the Jaguars probably draft someone, um, since they're probably going to have to keep Bortles, given that he's injured in that 19 million that's going to be guaranteed in that fifth year option, uh, unless they cut him before the league year. I think that's the only way they can get out of it. They have to cut him if they, if they don't, then he's, he's on the hook for 19 million. Then at that point, you got to keep him. Um, if you're going to pay a guy, you're not going to pay a guy 19 million and not have him play for you um but i do think what would be interesting is you know buffalo has two first and two second round picks and we you know this was something when they made the trades to when they sent the trades to send sammy Watkins um to la and sent darby to philadelphia it was with the you know the thought process then was the justification was they're trying to collect ammo so they can move up in this draft class because this is a much better quarterback class 
than we've seen in, in a long time. Because you have, in my opinion, five quarterbacks that probably, I would say four that are first-round caliber guys, and the fifth guy that probably will get drafted in the, in the first round, Josh Allen. Josh Allen's fine, but I don't, I don't think he's – like. I think his ceiling is like bad Matt Stafford, not good Matt Stafford, but that's my opinion. Um, but you have five quarterbacks, which is, is relatively rare. You usually like at most you have like two, and then there's like a third guy that gets into the mix just because those other teams don't have a shot at the, at the top two, um, Brandon Whedon. Um, so, you know, I think Buffalo is going to be in the conversation for trading up, particularly if a team like Denver uh, gets Cousins. If they, Denver can get their quarterback this offseason, Cousins or Foles, then I think, you know, looking at that five pick, they're going to be like, yeah, let's let's get out of here and, and let's trade back and, and pick up assets. And Buffalo, with their picks, could easily jump up there and get whoever isn't goes one or two. Um, you know, I should mention that I have a mock draft dropping uh, today as you're listening to this. It's on foulfans.com. And I do have quarterbacks going one and two to the Cleveland and, and New York. So I do think... At that five spot, you'll have your choice of the third best quarterback in, in this potential draft class. So it'll be interesting if Buffalo then trades up to the top five, then they would probably potentially want to shop Tyrod Taylor. That'll be interesting. And maybe Tyrod goes to Jacksonville. Maybe Tyrod goes to one of these other teams that doesn't win the Foles, Keenum, A.J. McCarron, sweepstakes. Um, who knows? It's going to be a fun offseason. That's the point I'm trying to get to. It's just watching the quarterbacks, we're going to talk about it on this podcast. I'm going to bring on Locked On Patriots, Mark Schofield. We're going to talk about the quarterback prospects. I'll probably get other people to talk about the quarterback prospects when we get closer to the draft in April. That's what we're going to be talking about once we get to April. Um, but, you know, March is going to be fun. And, you know, I'll say this right now. I think the Falcons are going to be extremely quiet in, in free agents. Extremely quiet. I think they're going to be even quieter than they were last year. And last year it was basically Jack Crawford and Don Terry Poe, and that's about it, right? That's all they did. I don't think they're going to be as active as they were last year. Um, that's my my guess right now. They, they're going to have to really maneuver some cap space. And, again, we'll talk about this in the coming weeks to really make a go at it. And so I, I just really think they're going to concentrate on bringing back their backups and, yeah, like, they they might be able to get a Jack Crawford level player, maybe if they if they're smart with their money, but I, I think that might be pushing it, really, if I'm being honest. Um we'll see though. And so that will be certainly something that we will talk about in the coming weeks throughout the month of February. Again, want to remind you guys, go check out that mock draft. Uh, spoiler alert, I have the Falcons taking uh Georgia guard Isaiah Wynn at pick twenty-six. Um we will definitely be talking more about when in the coming weeks. Certainly once we get to April, we'll go deep into several of these prospects. Again, we got to let these free agency play out. We got to let the combine play out. Because again, when it comes to the Falcons, you had to hit some certain athletic thresholds to really be on their radar. And so until some of these guys get to the combine and, and sort of, deliver on how athletic they are because again if you're going to be a first round pick you got to hit some certain athletic thresholds Dalvin Cook can certainly speak to this with how poorly he did at the combine was the number one reason why he got knocked out of the first round when at a certain point 
at this point, a year ago, many people considered him to be a potential top 10 pick. Um, now, maybe that was people being overzealous about that, but, you know, combine matters. So, again, that's something we will talk about. And, again, there's to me, there's no real reason to get too caught up in the draft until the combine happens and then free agency happens because teams will eliminate needs uh, as free agency unfolds. So, plenty of draft stuff in April. Um, go check out that mock draft, even if you only cared about who the Falcons were going to pick. I just told you, but uh, you can definitely uh, find out how I, how, you know, taking a shot in the dark, how I think the first round could possibly go. It's more exercise than necessarily prediction. Um, So go check that out. All right, that's it, guys. I appreciate you guys tuning in. We'll be back again later this week to talk about something. Probably do a Q&A. I know I said I would put something up at Lockdown Falcons. I lied. Um, that's what I am, a liar. Uh, <laughs> I, I just yeah, I got caught up doing something on, on Friday and Saturday with work um, that, I, that just took much more time than I anticipated. Um, so I, I couldn't put that up. So... I don't know. I'll do. I may do some. I'll make up for it this week, assuming I I have free time in the evenings after work. And um, until then, send in your questions. You you of course know where to hit me at. But maybe this is the first time you're listening to this podcast and you don't know at all how to get in touch with the show and send your feedback. Maybe you enjoyed this. I hope you enjoyed this podcast. If this was your first listen, Um, if if you did not enjoy it, uh, you probably turned it off at this point. But if you did not enjoy it, stay tuned, please. Keep keep going. We're gonna we're gonna we're gonna do a much better job, I guess. I don't know. Maybe this is a I don't know. Whatever. Okay, I'm botching the outro. If you're if you're new to the podcast, this is gonna be a regular thing. Me botching the outro. Um, how do you hit me up, Falk fans on Twitter? That's just let me know in the tweet if it's podcast related. Um, but if it is podcast related, just send it to Locked On Falcons. That's the show's Twitter handle. Uh, if you don't like Twitter character limits, then you can check out Facebook. Locked On Falcons is the Facebook page. Give us a like while you're there. You can also email LockedOnFalcons at mail.com. Uh, you can also check us out on LockedOnFalcons.com, Falcfans.com. You can leave a comment at those websites. That is where the podcast is posted daily. Okay, guys. Now I'm done. In in. We had a fun 2017. I look forward to a better 2018. Um, I know it's already been 2018 for a couple of weeks now, but you you guys know what I'm talking about. Um, so we're, we're going to keep doing it. And as I said several weeks ago, the, the plan is to do three shows um, per week during the offseason because it's a lot less regimented and we're just going to have to do things as they come. It's not going to be as sort of like, we're going to do it these days, these days, and these days. It's just going to be like, hey, when stuff happens. So some weeks it might be Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Some weeks it might be Monday, Tuesday, Thursday. Some weeks it might be you know Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, or something like that. I have no idea, guys. Uh, I'm just letting you know it's going to be a little bit disorganized. But uh, I will try my best to try to keep it regimented so that you have an even spread throughout the, the week. You know, we'll try, We'll shoot for like Monday, Wednesday, Friday, but... I can already tell you that that ain't going to happen every week, but that'll be the, you know, if if all things goes, if everything goes according to plan, that'll be what we'll do. But so 2018 is upon us. 
Uh, I hope you guys enjoyed um, this episode. And we'll we'll talk more about the Falcons. We'll talk more about the NFL offseason as a whole. Again, as I said, I don't think the Falcons are going to be that active. So I do think we'll have to provide some content talking about the NFL, rest of the NFL, and what they're doing. And let's be honest, when it comes to the, winning the offseason, the Falcons rarely do so. And so it's much more interesting to talk about other teams. We know it doesn't necessarily apply during the regular season, which is fine. But... Uh, we got six months of off-season to go, so we'll talk about stuff. Okay. All right, I'm rambling. Talk to you guys later. You are Locked On Falcons, your daily Atlanta Falcons podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.